Peter ever prepared had already written the sermon which he has given to me. Uh, so any blessings that you receive from his script, uh, if, we, if we thank him uh, rather than me. And so I read uh, his script uh, based on that passage from Matthew and entitled, You Are Worth It. You'll be familiar with a certain advertisement that tells us to buy a particular brand because you're worth it. And for more than a generation, those words, because you're worth it, have become a slogan for our times. Advertising a particular brand of cosmetic products targeted at women, this slogan has reflected and perhaps shaped our culture. And the message of the slogan tells us that human worth is evaluated by what we achieve and what we can make of ourselves. And that comes about through promoting a spirit of self-confidence that's generated by how we look and appear to others and by an attitude of self-love which encourages us to think we deserve to be rewarded because you're worth it. Now, if that kind of culture had prevailed in Jesus' time, we might expect a Roman centurion to believe that he was definitely worth it. Here was a man who was under authority but also in authority over others under his command. And as part of the middle management of the Rome, Roman occupying power in Israel, he would certainly have seen himself, you would have thought, as more worth it than the people whose nation he was helping to subject to the military might he represented and implemented. But that's not how he comes across in this encounter with Jesus, which the centurion clearly instigates in order to persuade Jesus to heal his sick servant. So when Jesus offers to come and cure the servant, the centurion replies, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Is this false modesty on his part? Or even an overweening groveling in a Uriah Heap kind of way, ever so humble on the outside, but not the inside? Well, that certainly doesn't come over in this gospel passage, because the centurion appears genuine and sincere in his expression of his own unworthiness. But maybe that prompts the question, what prompts this attitude? And perhaps the centurion recognizes in Jesus a true spirit of human integrity and sheer goodness qualities that he admires and qualities perhaps he sees lacking in himself and others. 
And maybe also he discerns that Jesus possesses an authoritativeness that appeals to this military man of authority. There can be very few of us in this world who've never experienced, even for a brief moment, a sense of personal unworthiness. And that could be why the L'Oreal slogan has caught on so powerfully. We can all recall times that still pain us when we have felt unworthy. Unworthy before God and unworthy before others. And sadly for some, and perhaps even for many, that sense of personal unworthiness takes on a more damaging and permanent fixation of heart and mind. And so much so that it then triggers all kinds of negative responses and outcomes, such as, well, I'm not good enough or clever enough to ever be considered for that job. I can't invite her out because she just wouldn't want to be associated with someone like me. And if people knew some of the things I've done in my life, no one would ever bother with me again. And of course, we assume the same mindset in our relationship with God. So we say or think things like these, all of which I've heard often enough. Well, God won't be bothered with the likes of me and my trivial problems. Or why would God take any notice of my prayers? I've done too many wrong things in my life for God to want to heal me. And this illness must be some kind of punishment from God for the kind of life I've led. And so we turn the L'Oreal slogan on its head and we say or we think, I'm not worth it because of who or what I believe myself to be. The Franciscan theologian and writer on prayer and spirituality, Father Richard Rawl, says this, God loves you, not because you are good. God loves you because God is good. And no doubt if the centurion saw goodness in Jesus, then what he saw was a reflection of the good and loving nature of God. And it seems that as we read the Gospels, we find Jesus loving and healing, calling all kinds of people, many of whom would not be described as good or worthy, who would have even seen themselves as good or worthy. So don't think then it's because you're worth it that God hears your prayers and offers you his healing love. Because in one sense, God knows that none of us are worthy. Even if we mean that 
God's love, favour or attention has to be earned or merited by the perfect goodness of our lives. Because God sees and knows us better than we see and know ourselves. And a God who sees and knows everything about us, loves us, calls us, forgives us, and heals us because you're worth it. You're worth it to God simply because God has loved you into being. So the message is, don't let any sense of unworthiness stand in the way of asking God for healing or for what you need from God in your life. The centurion himself declared to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But that didn't stop him asking Jesus to heal his servant. So don't let it stop you asking either. And since God's attitude towards us is, you are worth it. Healing comes to us from God. And that healing may not always take the form of physical cure, but it will enable us to grow into the wholeness of being that God desires for us all. To become the people that God created us to be. And God offers that healing Because to one and all, without favour or discrimination, God says, because you're worth it.